Welcome everybody to the next React Native uh, show podcast. Today we have a special edition, which is also a React Native EU panel. And today with me, we have very special guests that will be answering some of the most interesting questions that you have been asking during the React Native conference. So maybe let's do a quick introduction of every guest starting from my left side. So I guess the first person to go is Eli. Eli, if you could introduce yourself, what are you doing at your day job? What are you doing with React Native on a daily basis? And essentially everything that you'd like our listeners to know about you. Oh, that's an interesting question, Mike. Um, so I'm Eloy. I currently work at Microsoft um, and I work on their React Native needs in Office, um, which day to day means that I'm working on getting macOS React Native uh, up to speed with the other um, versions that exist. Um, and also helping out the community with some things like uh, getting the releases uh, out, etc. cetera. Um, otherwise, let's see. I've, yeah, I uh, worked on CocoaPod, dependency uh, manager in the iOS, macOS space. So I have a lot of, I've always had a lot of interest in the, the where native meets scripting uh, other languages. Um, and that's how I found my way to React Native when I worked at Artsy. Interesting. Yeah, I've I seen a couple of your recent PRs around native code. I'm not going to spoil that word because there is some exciting stuff coming up. So we'll probably learn about that in the nearest future. Uh, thank you for that. So the next person is Parash Ram. Uh, Ram, um, now it's your time. Hey everyone, my name is Ram. I'm an engineering manager at Facebook uh, and I'm currently working in Oculus. Uh, Oculus, if you haven't heard, is the virtual reality, reality headset that uh, Facebook produces. And at Oculus, I'm mostly working on uh, React and React Native based uh, 3D systems for uh, 2D systems for a 3D environment. Uh, before this, I used to be on the React Native team where I was working on the re-architecture of React Native, specifically on Turbo modules, and have done a lot of work on performance. Uh, I've actually been associated with React Native even before I was at Facebook. Before Facebook, I was at Microsoft. And if you folks remember Code Push, I was the PM on Code Push trying to like uh, help people push their code faster. And I also helped build the VS Code plugin for React Native. Uh, uh, building uh, mobile applications for iOS and Android using JavaScript is something that's always near and dear to my heart. In fact, um, I'm also a uh, Apache core committee member of the Apache Cordova project, or more commonly known as PhoneGap project. And during my time at Microsoft, I've, I've done Xamarin. So as you can see, I like played around with all the technologies, which is not Java and Objective-C, that you can use to build mobile applications. So that's me. That's really exciting. And I think uh, when I think about the first time we met, I think that was on a conference uh, in the US when, you were, uh, when we were talking about CodePush, actually. That was back when you were in Microsoft. That's been quite exciting times when you know, CodePush was just starting. So uh, that's been quite a while ago now, I think. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you. Thank you. So uh, the next speaker is Monica. Uh, Monica, if you could tell us a few words about yourself and what you are doing uh, with React Native on a daily basis. Sure. Uh, hi, all. So my name is Monica. Um, I'm a software engineer at Major League Soccer, and uh, I'm currently working in a few exciting projects within the league, but uh, mostly focusing a lot in mobile development with uh, our MLS app. Um, our app is what we call a hybrid app, uh, but, but about 70% of it is uh, built in React Native, and then the rest, uh, Swift, Swift and Kotlin. And um, 
that's what I how I use my time at work. Nice. Um, that's 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 pretty exciting. And how do you like Kotlin compared to Java? <laughs> I think I like it better than Java, definitely. What I like about it is the automatic conversion when you code, co copy and paste the stuff to the uh, JetBrains editor. That's a uh, <laughs> real killer feature for me. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you about this. Uh, so uh, the next and the last guest on our, on our podcast today is Kudo. Kudo, if you could tell us a few words about yourself, that would be awesome. Okay. Hello, I'm Kudo. I'm a software engineer of Clamosa. Uh, Clamosa, day job is about development of browser. <laughs> so I'm really a part-time job for part-time for React Native because my day job totally not related to React Native at all. Uh, for the part-time, I have some side projects such as React Native V8, and I also previous a JavaScript core maintainer. And this time I have a React Native Skia. So I'm, uh, from the day job, I got most familiar with Chromium code-based because we are doing browser based on Chromium. So I got a lot of familiar with Chromium code-based. That's why I do BA or Skia as Flutter as well. Nice. Nice. That's that's really exciting, and um, I, I think I already said that during the conference. But uh, when we met for the first time, I, I remember your messages in those you know C related channels on the Discord community. Uh, that's been always blowing my mind for a while. I even thought that you were working at Facebook because the amount of comments about Turbo modules um, made me think that you are maybe actually working on that. <laughs> and then it turned out you were actually external contributor. So uh, respect for 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 that. Um, all right, so uh, thank you for introducing. As you can see, we have a really, really great uh, guest today to talk about React Native. So maybe let's start with a React Native EU question. Uh, how did you like the conference? What was the most um, exciting thing about the conference that you liked so far? And um, we can start from Eli first. Hey, I, well, I, I really liked that it was uh, online, of course. <laughs> Um, as you know, I am always uh, remote, and also I, I think wasn't it React the first React Native EU that I broke my uh, um, I was on I was, I was I stopped doing any conferences, and then I figured like okay, well yeah. I'll do this. Yeah, for I was the, proud uh, of Native. myself that I can convince you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I really like uh, not having to travel and do it remotely. So I think that was definitely the upside part for me. Um, the talks that stood out to me, and I, that wasn't necessarily one that actually that stood out the most to me. I just really enjoy hearing other people talk about React Native, um, um, because as you know, I work alone here in the Netherlands, and it is a, it is fun to have these people talk. Um, I enjoy being at the conference, talking with people about what they're doing day to day, and that's what I enjoy most about the conferences. And having this conference around the, this technology that is so exciting to me, um, so I think that's the most, yeah, the best part to me. Awesome. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Um, well, I have to go with Eliza's well opinion, and um, it was amazing that it was an online conference. Um, you know, having the idea of having people from all over the world just like being able to participate was. Very interesting. Um, I really enjoyed the quality and technicality of all the talks. Um, 
If I were to pick my favorite, I think I would go perhaps with uh, modernizing React Native's uh, JavaScript by, um, I think it was Eli as well, White. I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but I'm sorry for that. Um, yeah, so I love, um, I usually love, you know, like one of the reasons why I, why I go to these conferences is just uh, to look for some deep dives into complex, relevant topics. Um, and I think this is uh, something that this talk in particular did. Um, you know, um, his talk was really descriptive, uh, easy to digest, and definitely just enlightening in many things. So um, I'll just pick that. Awesome. Ram or Kudo? <laughs> Who's gonna uh, I, I, I can go next. I, I can probably go next. I think uh, one of my favorite things about conferences is I usually don't attend conferences for the talks themselves, but for meeting people. I think like most conferences have talks recorded and posted online, but it's that whole uh, connection that you have with your fellow developers who are working on like similar problems, trying to listen to them and figure out how what kind of similar problems you have. That that has been something that's always been like uh, of interest. And honestly, when like uh, Mike pitched this whole idea of, hey, we're going to do a React Native EU, I was a little skeptical to start off with. I was not sure if it's going to have the same like essence of the conference. Uh, I should say that I was pleasantly surprised. In fact, uh, it was super, it was like very interesting to see how on the Slack channel, people were talking to each other and there was like this whole uh, set of like uh, side conversations that were happening, people helping out each other. So uh, I, I can actually say that I did feel that sense of community and honestly, React Native is a very inclusive and welcoming community. And uh, this, uh, the, the Slack channel was an embodiment of that. Uh, also, I don't know if many people who watch React Native EU know this, but Mike, I'm probably going to let out a secret. The talks were all recorded. They were not actually happening online. Mm -hmm. So uh, that did relieve a good pressure from the speakers. Yeah. And uh, I think what happened was that effectively freed, uh, freed the speakers up and helped them answer the questions as the questions were popping up during the, uh, during the talk. So like the Slack was super active and the whole community building was was my favorite part about uh, React Native EU online. Yeah, and I, I have to totally agree with you on that point. You know, usually we are super stressed when it comes to organizing this conference here in Wrocław, but because, you know, some, some of the stuff was already prepared up front, we were able to also have slightly less, uh, I would say, intense time during that week. So definitely something that uh, we will be, you know, missing from the next uh, year if, if it's going to be happening on site. Um, cool. Kudo, what about you? Uh, for me, I like the topic because there is a diversity from architecture, from JavaScript, day-to-day -day development, GraphQL, and about the animation. Uh, for me, I like the animation topic very well, <laughs> especially in the inspire me for the animation differences between web and mobile. Uh, that is really inspiration topic. And I also thank you think uh, to the conference about the it's a virtual virtual camp because <laughs> I used to stay with my family and with this chance I could have a talk in this year. Yeah. I think we even talked last year when I tried to convince you to uh, submit a CFP and you said traveling will be impossible. And this year, you know, <laughs> it was finally possible. So really, really, really happy that we made it. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. So we are warmed up. We are ready to dive deep into the first group. 
Uh, so just for the record, I have grouped uh, the questions into three groups. Uh, and these groups are uh, the new architecture of React Native, multiple platforms and general development. So just general questions uh, that people were interested to have answers for. Uh, so let's move on to the new architecture of React Native. Uh, so just to quickly recap, uh, last year React Native team announced a lot of changes uh, to the core of React Native that you know, addresses a lot of challenges that we are facing when it comes down to building applications. And that, that includes Turbo Modules, which is a new implementation of native modules for better performance and synchronous access. Uh, CodeGen to ease creation of native modules by synchronizing the type definitions and method declarations between native and JavaScript. GSI, which is JavaScript interface, and it is a unified lightweight sort of general purpose API for any JavaScript virtual machine. And it enables every uh, other piece of the re-architecture and is what, for example, makes Hermes integration very easy. Uh, and, 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 you know, easy is obviously relate, relative here. Um, and, and Fabric, which is just the UI re-architecture to take full advantage of, you know, these features and concurrent React architecture. So while this work is still in progress, we can see a lot of these already in the open source. And I think it would be great uh, to, to, to sort of go over the latest updates than the RIA. And I think that questions uh, from our audience might be a great starting point uh, to our discussion. So, uh, so the first question that I have here is, you know, what is the status of the re-architecture and what are the changes uh, that are already shipped? And when do we expect to have an update on the rest of them? And I think the best person here would be Ram, uh, that is, you know, even wearing Facebook t-shirts. So uh, that tells, uh, tells it all. Sure. So I think uh, this has been a question that people have been asking, and uh, I can clearly see how people can't wait to get their hands on uh, uh, like the new architecture. But I want to be like amply careful here about talking about like there is no release for a new architecture in the sense that there'll not be one single date where where it's like things stop and like suddenly React Native switches switches over to the new architecture. Uh, our initial plan was definitely trying to get it out in uh, 2020, but unfortunately COVID hit. A lot of people their productivity kind of went down. And as a result, we, we may not be able to hit 2020. Uh, we are looking at 2021 as something that uh, where this can get out. But I mean, I don't have a specific date in mind, but let me also lay down what, what does releasing it really mean? So uh, let me talk about a little bit on what, what's happening in terms of uh, how, how fast you're going it internally, and then talk about what's available externally. So internally, I think on the main Facebook app, we are actually testing Fabric, we are testing uh, Turbo Modules, and honestly, JSI is pretty much the way to go for both Fabric and Turbo Module. All of our native modules are code gen. In fact, we also retro code gen the existing modules. Uh, there's like Turbo Module spec and stuff for existing modules also. So the testing is heavily underway. We are seeing some really exciting results, both in terms of performance and in terms of stability. And I think one of our biggest uh, 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 motivations here is to ensure that the transi transition is smooth and stable, more importantly. Like pe people's apps don't start crashing. And that's why we are being like, exceedingly careful. Uh, we have also started to roll out uh, Fabric and Turbo Modules to internal apps. For example, the Oculus companion app that I work on, uh, we are starting to roll out Turbo Modules in it. Fab Fabric is a little bit harder because we wanted to do it screen by screen. And for that, you need native navigation, which we are trying to move to. Uh, and this is a similar story with all standalone applications. So I think the best way to think about it is internally in Facebook apps, we are slowly starting to roll out Fabric and Turbo modules, uh, like ironing out the issues and any uh, edge cases that we encounter. As far as open source is concerned, uh, you'd actually be surprised, but both Fabric and Turbo modules are out there. I think the biggest challenge is it's not buildable, and that's only because Facebook internally uses Buck. So all of our uh, build scripts are reliant on Buck. 
Now, this is where I think I, uh, we can use some help from the community. And I think uh, someone did this for iOS, where they picked up the iOS Turbo modules and fabric systems, wired it up into the Xcode build, and they were able to build it. We haven't done that on Gradle yet. So if someone is brave enough for, and wants to try this out, I would like recommend this as a really good project where you play around with Gradle and enable like uh, uh, Turbo modules and fabric on uh, RN tester, for example. Uh, it's not as hard as it looks. It's basically a bunch of magic around graded scripts and Android.mk, the C++ wrapper. So that's the current state of the world. A lot of code is out there. I think Eli also spoke about like code generation. And uh, I think it is in a state where you can try it out, test it out, but I'm not sure if uh, I would recommend it for production yet, mostly because it's not officially supported. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for answering that. And actually, you would be surprised. And I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not surprised because I've been there already. How 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 quickly sometimes it might be. How how easy it sometimes might be to 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 kind of release some of these internal pieces into into React Native for for iOS. For example, on on the on the Hermes side, uh, compiling it for iOS is theoretically just you know uh, doing some changes to the CMake, which on its own is very hard. But I was kind of surprised that you know uh, essentially the code is just C So as long as you compile it, it theoretically can run. So not a lot of magic there inside. Uh, as, as someone would think. Um, awesome. So um, so that brings me to the next question, where where I could track the progress of that uh, in the future, for example. Uh, so uh, I think Monica also wanted to answer this, but let me quickly give a spiel of like the discussions repository and the history, which I probably haven't spoken about. So I think almost one year ago when I was in the React Native team, I realized that there was a lot of discussions that are happening one-off. And uh, one of our, our goals in the React Native team was to be inclusive and ensure that every discussion is transparent and people understand the rationale behind what's happening. Uh, that's the reason why we created this repository called uh, Discussions and Proposals, where people, like anyone in the world can submit a proposal, people can critique it, look at, uh, look at what can be implemented, and then go ahead and implement it. So we have this proposal called Discussions and Proposals, and uh, there's a, there are issues related specifically to Turbo modules and to uh, Fabric. Uh, that's where most of our updates are happening. Unfortunately, those issues could also be noisy because uh, usually for every single update, there's like 10 comments asking, hey, when is it ready? Uh, so you might, want to, uh, you, want to, you might want to add on your noise filtering in there, but I think those are probably the best places that you can look at. It's also uh, a place where I'd recommend if you're experimenting with Turbo Modules, for example, just go add your status there and tell people, hey, here's what I've tried out, and people might come asking you. I think also that um, if you allow me to jump in, in addition to what Ram just said, uh, the, intuitively the first place that I particularly go and I will recommend people who just getting into is, um, of course, the React Native repo where we also have like a bunch of like issues being discussed and the React Native community repos. In particular with the React Native community repo, uh, I found them very useful, especially their releases uh, section. Um, I believe, and, and correct me, Ram, if I'm wrong, it's like one of the most reliable places to go, um, you know, in regards of staying up to date with uh, status reports and, and you know, uh, all what's going on uh, with React Native overall. Um, and then just the, the usual, just chain logs and then release notes from uh, from your team at Facebook. I think it's also, um, yeah, just like tracking all those will be pretty effective in just keeping um, you know any developer up to date. Cool. Uh, so, so what is the feature you're most excited about? Um, 
I'm assuming you're asking me. Okay, so these, well, we've been talking about how big this new re-architecture uh, of React Native will be or is like kind of the process of being. Uh, and of course, there are, there are uh, a lot of things that will be definitely um, game changers um, in the way we develop apps. But if I have to pick one, I'm definitely gonna go with Turbo Modules. Um, you know, this new feature that pretty much tackles, um, uh, you know, the most in terms of performance and safety. And um, I really like the idea of having tape safety between native uh, code and JavaScript. And uh, particular for, uh, particularly for us at MLS, um, this is really important because we, we do have a fair amount of native modules and integrations um, with uh, third-party providers. So, um, you know, the overhead reduction that Turbo Modules introduces uh, when calling methods from the JavaScript side is something that is really, really gonna help us with performance. Um, you know, among with the faster startup when initializing our application. So definitely two more modules for me. Nice. I like that. I like that as well. Anybody else want to chime in here? Uh, for me, it's probably going to be JSI uh, because JSI is like the fundamental layer that's the, uh, on which all of these things are built. And uh, you'd actually be surprised, but all the other hybrid uh, mobile app development platforms have a story similar to uh, uh, JSI. For example, if you look at NativeScript, uh, NativeScript actually has a way to generate all of these JavaScript files based on templates. Like you take a Java class, it automatically generates all the methods and exposes them to uh, JavaScript. And uh, the mechanism they use is something very, very similar to, similar to JSI. In fact, JSI is also fundamentally the way a browser exposes its native APIs to your JavaScript layer. So looking at it in retrospect, maybe we didn't really need a bridge back then and we could have just used JSI, but uh, I, I would like vote for JSI mostly because it's like the founding block of uh, the foundation of the entire uh, system. And JSI is also already ready. So you can technically start using JSA right away, not just for Fabric or Turbo modules, but even let's say you're building your own uh, uh, JavaScript layer on top of uh, a JavaScript engine. JSA would come in very handy. Yeah. I, I'm uh, probably most excited about uh, Fabric. Um, ever since initially when we explored uh, React Native at Artsy, I think I spent a month trying to just get React Native to work with UIKit as I was used to it. Um, and things like, uh, I don't know, a UI collection view or all those sorts, which with, with the Artsy app, you know, there's so many images shown and you want to have fast scrolling and fast interactions that that was kind of just, uh, it felt like a necessity. In the end, I think the app works, works really well with React Native as it is, but, you know, conceptually, I think having the ability to do such a synchronous uh, UI work will probably pay off in, uh, in, in areas where it is noticeable that React Native is somewhat lacking. Uh, for me, I also like Fabric, feel more, more excited about Fabric as well. From my talk, I said that uh, for third-party developer to have an out-of-tree platform is really, really a disaster because the upstream change is really uh, change every day. And so for especially for the individuals, it's really hard to have an out-of-tree platform. And now with the Fabric, most of core is also cross-platform. So I think it will benefit for the new platform and make it possible. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that brings us to the next section, which is 
kind of related to multi-platform uh, React Native, so React Native running on other platforms. And at the end of the day, uh, everybody who's been ever maintaining a separate React Native fork has been running through that kind of problem that you have mentioned. So, um, so, so, so from the very beginning, React Native was obviously about cross-platform, and while it's shipped only with iOS and Android, or I think the Android was actually added a few months later, um, everybody knew that you know other platforms were eventually just a matter of time when somebody will start working on them. And this year, we've seen a lot of great contributions from our partners uh, in the community, including Microsoft, on additional platforms such as you know Windows and surprisingly macOS. And, and, and we have received a lot of you know questions from our audience on that aspect uh, and in the general direction of the framework in that area. So I think we can start off with a uh, question, um, with the first question, which is, uh, which is, <coughs> which is, um, uh, kind of about sharing the code between mobile and web. So with the new platforms being released and becoming production ready, uh, what opportunities do you envision when it comes to sharing code between mobile and web, traditional React and React Native targets, and desktop environments? Do these have a lot or something in common? Uh, and I think, uh, Ilay, maybe you want to start as you are representing actually uh, the, the Microsoft here as well, uh, and, and you are working on uh, Windows and Mac OS ports of React Native. Yeah, well, so I think, um, you know, clearly any code that is not necessarily UI related or uh, particularly uh, dependent on the OS will be easily shared as plain JavaScript. Um, so that is definitely already uh, a win, I think. I can imagine, like if I take the RT app as an example, porting it to desktop means that all the, the data layer would would just work. Um, uh, so the pieces, and then when it comes to the UI, uh, large pieces of the UI would work. I think people are familiar with Catalyst. It would be somewhat similar to that. You are able to leverage most of the UI, but obviously there are some paradigms that you only have on desktop and um, then some extra APIs. But you know, I think it's always good to reiterate with React Native that it is not about writing once and deploying everywhere, but uh, about uh, learning once and writing everywhere. So um, this is similar in the case that you will have to put in some care to make an application on the desktop feel like a desktop application, which I think is what the users deserve, right? Yeah. Um. For me, uh, at Commons, uh, we had some React Native product. Uh, our first product is about uh, React Native Windows on WPF platform. It's <laughs> not maintained at all because we uh, we have to support Windows 7. And uh, being the first React Native product on desktop UI, we, we find it has some fundamental differences between mobile and desktop. And I find it's, uh, it is not covered in relative yet. For example, in, um, at desktop UI, you have a uh, touchable, you used to have some mouse over feedback and you also have to support drag and drop and multi-window support. Uh, how about if we could support multi-window in also the decorative ways such as you have some uh, app and we have a window one, window two, 
and below there are multiple views. Also, I think the desktop is not also covered from Renative, and we have some ways to do that. Uh, but in our experience, we had a, a desktop UI, and we had a Windows, Windows platform, and we also co share for web and uh, enjoy it as well. So we have about 50 percentage culture rate. So I think it's uh, really doable for relative, relative. Nice, that's a very, very healthy number, I think, when it comes to code sharing. Um, can, I, can I just touch on the, so it's definitely true, obviously, that uh, things are still up in the air. Um, but when it comes to, for instance, these uh, pointer, uh, like mouse events, whatnot, touchable, we are actually currently in the process of working with Facebook, uh, both for um, the mobile uh, platforms and for the, the React Native web platform and for taking into account macOS and Windows, how to best provide a, a, a cross-platform API that works for all those. Yeah, if I recon, if I recon this, uh, the, 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 I think there is a discussion and proposals issue or PR about that, where it tries to kind of uh, propose a uh, standardized approach to handling these things. I, I think I've seen it before, uh, and it, and it's kind of aligned with what you were saying. So it might be interesting. If I find it out, we'll include it with the podcast for those of you who are interested in following up on this. Um, uh, on this topic, I also wanted to like up-level this discussion a little bit. I think uh, while we've been focused on, uh, mostly on React Native, because I understand that the, the audience here is about React Native, I think uh, uh, up-leveling this and talking about React platforms as a principle is also pretty interesting because even in the React world, people have been writing custom renderers forever. This existed even before React Native itself was a platform. For example, we have had like some really good demos from like Ken Wheeler on, on React Music, for example or even Nicholas uh, on um, uh, the React Native web. Then I wrote a render around like React Web Workers, which is pretty much React Native. React 360 is actually like React Native in, uh, in like a 360 environment. So I think uh, we've been having this discussion around the principles of uh, up-leveling it and calling it a React platform. And I think this is a blog post that Eli published sometime ago on the React Native blog, where he talks about the concept of, hey, the, the fact that React itself is a declarative UI paradigm kind of lends to this idea of uh, adding multiple platforms. So with that in mind, if we were to up-level this discussion, the way I see it is React would be the top-level root node, and then things like React DOM, React Native Windows, React Native Android will all be siblings, all of them adding different uh, levels of abstraction where you can say, hey, maybe the data fetching relay or the GraphQL components can be the same, but all you care about is the leaf node components that are different. I also want to be very, very... Uh, uh, I, I want to ensure that we also understand that it's very critical to embrace the platform. Just because we are sharing code does not mean that we give up on the iOS-specific interactions or Android-specific interactions. So I think as people are thinking about code sharing, it's critical to ensure that your app looks and behaves like a native app. And I think that's the biggest promise that React Native brings to you. Yeah, great, great, really great point. I think that's one of the one of the reasons why a lot of React Native applications are performing and looking better than you know typical hybrid approaches just because React Native has been always about embracing the platform. And it kind of brings us really nicely, which is a surprise to the next question, which is about Flutter, which takes slightly different approach. 
And uh, we've seen a great kudos talk on you know how we can render React Native components potentially to Skia, which which brings us very close to what Flutter potentially is. And uh, and you know there there's been a lot of uh, developers talking about Flutter being superior because of being synchronous, and 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 this is getting also out, kind of outdated as we are getting into the new architecture of React Native. So my question is, do you think this? Uh, and I'm talking about uh, the, this kind of Skia render potentially and this uh, synchronous access is kind of an interesting achievement for the Flutter community and, 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 and would, it, would, would it make React Native a sort of interesting alternative and choice for them? Uh, what do you think about that? Um, <laughs> I heard some, some people like Flutter because they don't like JavaScript. Okay, <laughs> I don't have comment for that. And I don't think Renate Skia will in, in, inspire them. So for me, uh, Renate Skia is also my self-change to learn more about Fabric. And I also want to prove that Renate could extend to another different platform such as Flutter. And uh, the project current state is uh, still far from production because we still miss some critical critical parts such as a compositor because we want to draw each draw each view in our own so but um, we have some community to do this project so maybe it would be possible to to be a true product and I would like to uh, borrow some code from Flutter, so maybe the project will be Renative Flutter. That would be that would be good connection of very great keywords uh, from the you know search engine per, per perspective. I think <laughs> uh, Ram, maybe you wanna kind of chime in from the um, uh, synchronous and asynchronous perspective because I I know you've been always very you know passionate about these aspects of performance. So kind of interesting interesting to see your perspective on that as well. Uh, so I'm actually a pretty huge fan of Flutter, and I think the people who have developed Flutter have like uh, the the architecture that that they've come up with is like pretty interesting. In fact, if you think about it, uh, React Native has always been about questioning our assumption and looking at how we can stretch the envelope. I think uh, Flutter does exactly that, and Flutter's uh, primary uh, 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 hypothesis is that hey, why do you need all of these different rendering layers in Android if you can just go directly draw it to the uh, GL layer or directly draw it to the graphics system, right? And that's what makes like Flutter great because basically what you do is your Dart commands are taken and written to Flutter, uh, and it does it in a synchronous way. Now, uh, that, that's what, that's one of the really interesting things that Flutter offers, and I think uh, Kudos experiment with React Native is a very good way to figure out how can we combine the ease of development in terms of like declarative UI. So some of the good things about React is that it's easy to reason about. The UI is declarative with things like hooks. You know that, hey, this is the functional part of it versus this is the part where I have a side effect on my component, stuff like that. So this whole developer-friendly, developer mindset is taken to the performance area where you're like, hey, now that I've, I've taken care of developer, develop, developer experience, let me also take care of user experience. So I think it's a pretty good exploration. Uh, I'm not a great fan of uh, like comparing React Native versus Flutter. I know that uh, the JavaScript community kind of likes drama and tries to say hey, which one is better. Uh, personally, I think that there is like really good things in both React Native and Flutter, and we are st we are starting to learn from each other so well. Uh, so in terms of performance, I think like I'm super excited about this whole idea of synchronous, and it's uh, it's not about like synchronous versus asynchronous. Uh, we are now coming to a world where we have realized that both of them are equally important. 
if you want to respond quickly to user actions you need to be you need to draw synchronously on the other hand if something you are waiting for from a network takes you a second adding a 100 100 millisecond delay is not going to like prevent you from anything so this whole idea of synchronous and asynchronous as and when needed to ensure that your focus is on user experience i think that's that's what excites me about like this whole idea of like uh, react native skia and doing it in the synchronous way Yeah, I I I would like to echo that it is a little bit of apples and oranges. They are not necessarily the same thing. Um and there's obviously always trade-offs involved. Uh if you if you want to reliably build for multiple platforms with a single code base with less with thinking a little less about the specific platform intrinsic details than that is that 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 seems more of a case for Flutter than it is React Native. but react native as i've said and ramos has said we always want people to actually put in the extra work to make sure that an application is absolutely adheres to the the design guidelines that go into a platform um if i were to build an application and i would have the i would not need to think about constraints such as like immediately deploy to all these platforms then that would probably be a reason for me to stick with react native because i really like using those native uis um rather than uh, custom drawn ones um also and i'm not familiar in uh, like th- there's no need for me to use uh, flutter so i haven't used it today there but uh th- i actually quite like with react native how there's a kind of a hard constraint between the the ui code um and some of the native aspects where with if you where with our older objective c applications it's you know over time in terms of maintain maintenance it just is always a little easy to do something something a little easier where you access uh, code that should be accessed from a different thread in a different place um and i like with react native how that's just you have to write a little bit of a boundary thing which makes you think about that and keeps them separate more um so i i'm not necessarily looking for a solution where i can do everything natively from a different language that's that's how some people view it i would say yeah that that makes a lot of sense and actually uh when you were when you were when you were mentioning well, since you brought that up uh, it reminded me of a um of an interesting uh, use case that uh i know i know uh i know one of the leading automotive companies has they are essentially just using flutter for kind of developing for their custom hardware and what they are using is they are just able to kind of back flutter directly into their hardware and just have it as a sort of native language let's say so for them it perfectly makes sense and they can just make it run natively so uh it makes me really really you know unhappy because that brand is you know one of my top favorites and i i wish they were using react native but um it looks like i might need to change my brand then <laughs> but anyway um uh the last Yeah, yeah, you know, always there's always a conclusion about cars at the end of the day. Um as you can see behind me. Um but um going to the next question actually uh Eloy that, that's the one um I guess for you but I I'm pretty sure that others might have some interesting insights here as well from the open source perspective. And and we briefly talked about it before uh in terms of how do you maintain your fork your platform when you have to keep your code in sync with the master. And uh what I specifically would like to understand about it is how do you backport some of the features so say uh code gen lands uh or or is kind of turned on by default 
how do you make sure that you know these features work with your fork? Do you have some sort of special syncing mechanism, or is it a very very hard manual painful work? I just you know it would be great to understand how hard or how easy this might be for you uh, on a daily basis. Yes, it would be really great to understand. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is uh, basically uh, it. There's a gradient of. Uh, solutions when i look at what we have at microsoft which is react native mac os react native windows but then also we have you know some specific patches for instance for android um there's a few different systems like react native windows is most in sync right now uh, react native mac os is most out of sync um react native mac os currently just means you know pulling all the changes from right that's what i'm doing right now from point 0.63 and then reapply and I'm merging all our forked uh, changes. And, and the forked changes are literally just, you know, because iOS and macOS code in many cases is so similar, uh, but it is not that easy to have them neatly factored out. You know, they are in line with a lot of if devs. Uh, luckily, there's a lot of comments that demark those uh, places, uh, but it is a very manual process. The Android one and also the Windows one actually, is div a little different where they main where they've extracted all these fork changes into a set of patches that is reapplied um, automatically whenever the up upstream changes are pulled, but just also because macOS uh, the Windows version has a a, a little more budget. Uh, there's just people that are able to pull more on like a weekly basis, and it makes the whole thing maintainable. That doesn't mean that necessarily all features are used from upstream as is, right? So, well, for instance, at Microsoft, obviously, we use a lot of TypeScript instead of Flow. So the whole uh, code gen aspect, uh, uh, we have a different uh, parser for, which generates the intermediate uh, representation that is then used to generate the, the native code. Um, and then we also have currently in the Windows version, as that's being ported to the macOS version, a slightly different Turbo Modules API. Um, but we're also in talks with Facebook to see if we can reconcile that back upstream. So, you know, it, it goes it goes in all directions. That doesn't necessarily always make it the easiest thing. Uh, but as we're working throughout it, it, over time, it becomes clear like how the future could look like for out of tree platforms at some point. Um, possibly iOS and Android could be considered uh, treated the same way as out of three platforms where there's just a core of React Native and then there's all the platform specific implementations. And it goes, you know, as, as you know, Mike, with the, to the CLI uh, packages uh, to the native code. Um, and it probably makes it a lot easier that way in the long term to, to do these things. But right now it is uh, definitely a lot of a manual process and figuring out together what should move where. Um, as we try to keep that up to date. Mac OS is definitely, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a little uh, lagging behind because of how manual the process is. Yeah, yeah as you said, uh, you know, from the CLI perspective, we are already kind of doing this by having, you know, iOS and Android uh, commands to ship as a separate packages, uh, which might be hard to describe here in this podcast, but uh, all I wanted to say is that, you know, sometimes I feel like uh, React Native was so great from the conceptual perspective that the variety of out-of-tree platforms were faster to appear than the framework itself was ready for them. And I feel like we are working on that right now to make that, you know, kind of 
easy for you and other people to integrate with. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that from the CLI perspective, we are doing small changes, but I'm also kind of excited about the, you know, deep, uh, the, um, the structuring of React Native into smaller packages. I think there's somebody working on that as well. So, uh, you know, exciting times ahead, I think, for out of tree platforms or actually platforms, because I think somebody banned use out of tree at, at some point. So let's, let's not use that, I think. Yeah, I think in terms of like the simple example when it comes to abstracting things, right? It's like, so this iOS and macOS shared code that would likely be a, a shared package that is Apple or whatever, <coughs> Apple code. Um, and, and then that would be an iOS out of tree or an iOS platform uh, implementation and then a Mac OS yeah. implementation that both rely on the shared one. And the same, I imagine, would happen with the CLI mm -hmm. packages. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that's a great time to wrap, wrap up this uh, sort of multi-platform part of our, of our uh, panel. And as I said, looks like we have exciting times up ahead. I, I, I can't wait for actually trying out uh, Mac OS, React Native, and, and actually trying it Windows again. Uh, back in the day, I only tried C Sharp or C++, and you know, that didn't turn out really well, so it might be a good time. So uh, the last section, we have just a, a few basic questions about general React Native development. You know, we can talk about new architecture, we can talk about multi-platform, but at the end of the day, we all create some kind of React Native code, and we solve some maybe challenging or typical daily problems with React Native. Uh, so uh, maybe we can start with that one. Uh, what was the, the biggest or the latest performance challenge or that you have faced at your job and how did you solve that? And what were the takeaways from that? We can start with Ram. Uh, yeah, I was wondering, I mean, it's performance. There's no reason I wouldn't take it. So uh, <laughs> on the React Native performance part, uh, I think, uh, and this is also what prompted me to do, do the talk at React Native EU. I think uh, uh, the mistake I made was I kind of like uh, was talking about like native performance and improving native performance over and over again. But one of the things that I realized is that there's also a ton of like performance issues in the JavaScript side of the world. So the latest performance issue that I had was around like JavaScript thread being super busy. And as you know, you can like spawn many threads on the native side. There are a lot of solutions there, but on JavaScript, there is not much. And if your, native if your JavaScript thread is busy, if you click a button, it shows. Like you can actually see that the JavaScript button click does not go through. And I was trying to understand like what happens. And I think the to your question about what is the perform uh, the issue, the issue was the JavaScript thread was slow, and I had no clue how to solve it. I also discovered that uh, the JavaScript profilers used to work with JSC and are broken on Hermes. And we have an internal tool that we were able to use to like get the sampling profiler running. Uh, that's when I also realized that uh, there's nothing exists in the open source. And luckily for me, we had the MLH uh, uh, fellowship program, which is the which is a program to bring in new students and new contributors into React Native and get them to build stuff. I was actually super lucky to get into that, uh, that the project got accepted into MLH. And we had two really talented students build the visualization for the Hermes sampling profiler in open source. So I'm hoping that if I... If, yeah, just like if people are also figure, facing like issues with JavaScript performance, that's one tool that will come in handy that people can build, people can use and build. Nice. And by the way, Ram, I have to say here that recently I've been uh, 
um, working on the startup performance of my Android app, and I have uh, I had an issue with React markers and Sysstrace, and, and I found some articles of yours, you know, describing how to set it up with some kind of custom code hosted on Gist, how to make it work, and I was just, you know, so glad that you did it, did the hard work before, because it was such a time saver, so I just wanted to thank you uh, for doing this as we are, you know, talking about performance right now. Um, all right, uh, Monica, I think you wanted to say something as well about about the, the challenge that you had in Major League Soccer. You're working on a product, I think, so uh, there might be some interesting uh, problems that you are facing every day. Yeah, um, there are actually multiple performance, um, you know, gaps and uh, challenges that we are faced with all the time. But the one that I, um, when I was thinking about this question, um, that it came up to my mind because it's like, I guess the most challenging that we have had in the recent time uh, has been our massive upgrade of our app. Uh, we were, you know, just like trying to um, migrate to Android X, which again, it sounds like to be something way behind, but because we have a lot of like libraries that we depend on and like so much of like native code, uh, we were just recently doing it. Um, and and after doing this, just the upgrading of some of our major libraries like React Navigation, for instance, uh, made the process of migrating overall uh, very challenging, uh, especially because we had some libraries that were already considered legacy code um, and had kind of like changed everything internally. So um, this particular particularly forced us to um, think about ways to solve issues like total incompatibility, incompatibility with the new APIs, right? So like the whole process, which led us to uh, have uh, great increases in performance was, uh, you know, definitely something that every person who's developing in native um, always has to face. And I think it was uh, important to bring it up here because we also face it at uh, MLS, having a bunch of engineers working on it and just being an app that we have developed for uh, quite a long time already. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And and, and actually this, I think, uh, brings brings me to the next question, which I can uh, ask you as well as a follow-up uh, from the migration perspective. Because um, there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of uh, a lot of companies you know are migrating to React Native right now from a variety of different apps, uh, small ones and big ones, one platform, many platforms, and um, they are also trying to transition from native developers to JavaScript developers, which is also uh, a, a challenge on its own. So I, I guess um, my question would be, what would be the biggest challenge that you would say might be here and and, 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 and what would be the advice for somebody who's looking to start doing this as we speak? And you mean to start like building up um, React Native applications? Yeah, just trying to migrate uh, from the existing apps to React Native. So you say you have like two or four, like you have an app, native app, and you're about to migrate it. Uh, so the, 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 that's a intermediate brownfield app that's eventually gonna be greenfield, uh, hopefully, right. when they are ready. Oh, there are many things that we have to take into account, but I think, um, you know, dividing the process in chunks is perhaps the most the smartest thing to do, as well as uh, determining compatibility from the libraries and like all of the parts of your app uh, with, uh, in this case, React Native, but everything that we're trying to develop sometimes. And we, we, what we have found out so far is like, React, of course, React Native is amazing and we love working with it, but, you know, there are things that are still we need to 
type kind of like tweak and move around so we are compatible with some of the libraries for third-party providers that are not working with a React native mind. And then this kind of goes with uh, what Ram and um, um, Kudo were talking before about like, you know, they don't, and I guess everybody, they're not, um, all the libraries are not just like the same thing competing for the same and, and in writer or languages as well. Um, you know, just like, so I guess understanding um, what are the limitations and capabilities of like the libraries that you have on the native, native side. And then uh, what are the limitations and capabilities that React Native offers? It's like a perfect starting point for everything. Yeah, I, I would agree definitely with that. When we started converting the RC app, I think for a lot of people, it is very tempting to want to think about JavaScriptifying all of it as soon as possible. But, you know, that I would say that that is not really necessary and uh, you can probably focus on other things first. Also, you know, there's, there's some cases where you, depending on the, the company, where you will want to keep native code anyways. And which actually, you know, that, that this, this, conver this conversion, the RC app is so long ago that I don't know how much it really applies to uh, technically to companies nowadays. Actually, that is my React Native EU talk about. So you can just look that up on YouTube. But it's more interesting, I think, I don't know if you were point hinting at that, Mike, but obviously it's not just a technological thing, right? It's, it's yeah. working with, with people, with developers. And um, I've had many conversations with companies where they are, where they try or they consider introducing React Native. And we actually, oh, not now that we're talking about it, actually remember uh, from Artsy, a few people did a conference at Facebook, a small conference, uh, which is ArtsyX React Native on YouTube. And my colleague uh, Maxime did a great talk about learning how to learn, which is more about the psychology of developers that, and, and considering that aspect uh, as she was, um, you know, when, when I introduced React Native and how I did not necessarily uh, truly uh, considered all of the aspects, how that, you know, how that affects a native engineer, how they suddenly are dropped into something new, how their specific skills are, how do they fit in? I think in the end, um, you know, for at Artsy, that was a good mix where we now have the ability to have a lot more people working, more product teams working on the application, but we definitely always tried to embed a native expert into each of these teams to ensure that we have the quality that we're looking for. But it definitely, it's not something that you can just take for granted or just consider like, oh yeah, it's easy win budget wise, let's just switch to JavaScript. That's probably a recipe for disaster if you have a larger team of native developers. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that as well. Actually, this is something that we run many times when we are working with you know clients. They're about to do this transition. Technology is one thing, but then trying to kind of get into the existing organization where there are native developers, different teams, prefers you have to sell them React Native as well and kind of demonstrate the benefits of that. And this becomes a challenging task on its own. So I guess as soon as everybody's on board, you can say that you have... Uh, some kind of success already uh, achieved. Um, yeah, uh, cool. So I think, you know, that's that, that's it from the questions that uh, we have received from the React Native EU. Obviously, there is still a lot of questions that we had. I think we had more than 100. 
uh, and, and I decided to group them into smaller uh, talk-oriented questions and every speaker receives them in an email so we will be working on them uh, in a follow-up and, and, and you know if we were about to answer one, 100 questions here we would probably have to spend the whole day um, which would be impossible given the time zone differences we have here uh, so so uh, so I guess you know that that brings us to the to the, to, to the to the end of our panel and I wanted to thank you very much for joining and I know that you are all from different places from the world so we have you know, some we have Ram, uh, where it's uh, 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. right now. Kudo, that's probably like just minutes before midnight, and and and, and the rest of us is kind of somewhere in between. So it's been a really challenging thing to pull off, and I'm really happy that we made it. So all I wanted to say is thank you for you know taking part in this podcast. I hope that you liked it, and um, and and yeah, just just thank you for for being part of this, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you um, again. Uh, maybe on a podcast as well. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Looking forward to seeing you all again as well. <laughs> and Thank and you. perhaps consider still some online as components, even if at some point conferences do go live again. Yeah, well, um, for, for what it's worth, I think, you know, uh, one thing is that we've been recently talking together a lot because we are working on some crazy stuff. So I'm hoping that, you know, we might have some programming like this more often rather than just talking because you know it always makes me happy uh, to see faces and to speak with developers because we kind of write 99% of time and then it is so stressful experience for me to talk with you because you know we, we, we don't talk often like we usually write <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of you know um, sort of uh, information coming like the face the smile the, the, the gestures so it's pretty fun experience but uh, yeah should do it more often for sure Okay, thank you once again and uh, hoping to uh, see you again uh, really soon.